welcome to the Dad Strength Podcast, helping you earn the mug that says world's greatest dad. The Dad Strength Podcast is an Unlearning Network production. My name is Jeff Gervitz. I am your host. I am your spotter. You got this, bro. When I connect the dots looking back, I understand why exercise has played such an important role in my life. I just focus better, think better, feel better when I'm moving. It's a bit like nutrition where you might say, okay, everyone needs a baseline amount of protein or vitamin D to live, but individual factors like genetic polymorphisms might make it tougher to absorb the stuff or use it meaningfully. So we need more than the average bear. I think that movement is like that for me where I just happen to need a really high dose, but I'm definitely not the only one. This is a theme that I've seen in folks with ADHD. And that brings me to today's guest. Brian Cron is a fitness coach and what he describes as a semi-serious physique athlete. That basically translates as the guy is jacked, he's super lean, but he doesn't actually get on stage and compete. He's also got a very fine head of hair, I might add. I don't think he can help you with that last thing, but his expertise is unquestionable. He's an industry vet with a long writing career behind him. And among other things, he's got a behind the scenes knowledge of what's real and what's fake in the fitness industry. The first list can probably fit into your desk drawer and the second one looks more like a hoarder's house. It's chock-a-block with stuff, uh, mostly of which has no value. A while back, I learned that Brian was diagnosed with ADHD at 45, just like me. I've always liked the guy. He can be a curmudgeon for sure, but he always gives you the straight goods. And I particularly like how he thinks about training. He looks at the total environment. He's just got a really pragmatic lens. So I wanted him to share some of his experiences and some of his wisdom. So I wrangled the guy who now lives in my own hometown of Calgary. Before we get going, If you have thoughts on this episode, if you want to learn about coaching or in-person workshops with me, go to dadstrength.com slash feedback. I will get back at you. One note on this one, I hit record right away, which threw Brian off because of his recent experience on a podcast on a former guest of ours. Uh, That's Mike T. Nelson. (laughs) So we start there. I haven't talked to a long time. So like the first 30 minutes we're catching up, preamble, I'm just being offensive as hell. You know, they're like, are we ready to get going? And he's like, oh, we, we'd be going for half an hour. I'm like, the fuck we are. That is the only F-bomb Brian will drop in this episode. I'm just kidding. He swears like a sailor slash trucker. However, just be ready for it. Um, you know, like a lot of male relationships, I think of us as friends, but I also realize that we haven't spoken in years, not since before his son was born. So that's where I wanted to pick things up. My son is just turned five. He's going into preschool. And because uh, of COVID, he kind of lost on some developmental years, so he's behind. So we've been uh, tutoring the shit out of him. Well, not me. Like, we've hired tutors. And uh, so I'm just fucking driving him all over the place. And uh, that's one thing about this city. Everything's far away. Um, so I'm a, I'm a little scattered, a little, like, ready for, for school to start so I can get him out of my hair <laughs> a little bit more. And <laughs> I can tell you that being a parent is stress-free. It is easy breezy as long as you never have any particular place to be or any particular thing to do within a certain timeline. 
So you can really feel the tension when you're working from home or kids are on break. You want to be a great tuned in parent, but you're trying to do multiple things and it's a lot to juggle mentally. And this got me thinking about an emotion we don't often discuss publicly as parents. We all feel it and we can be annoyed or restless or bored and it's okay. These are human emotions. The way we deal with them is of course super important. Um, In fact, one could argue that the way we deal with them is everything as a parent. Everything that annoys me about him is, uh, it's always just the stuff related to, like, to, like just driving around. You know, like, oh, like having to be two places at the same time. Like, those are the things that, that, that'll irritate me. But him, as a little human, like, he's, it's good irritation from him. Like, he's, he's like, he's making me load up his Nerf gun just so he can shoot me in the face with it. I'm like, like, it's, it's a good annoyed, but... <laughs> Tell me you're a parent without telling me you're a parent. Well, I loaded up this little kid's Nerf gun so he could shoot me in the face with it and it stung and it hurt and my heart was filled with love. Anyway, anywho, to take this onto a professional track, I asked Brian one of my favorite questions, which is not what do you do, but how do you explain what you do to other people? Like I remember when I moved here, whatever, seven or eight years ago and I was meeting people and they're like, oh, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm an online coach. And I'd kind of get, if they're a little bit younger, they, I'd get a bit of a nodding. Oh, okay. You know, but if they're a little bit older, they're like, what? Like, so what you like work out on a computer? And I'm like, like, well, not exactly, you know? So, but I still use that designation. I say I'm an online coach or, or, you know, I want to really brag or fill, fill time. I'll say I'm an online coach and a writer, but that's already, that's, that's too lengthy. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, you know, I don't say anything contrived. Like, well, I'm a fitness entrepreneur because I don't know what the hell that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It gets the people going. And Brian will be provocative from time to time. But the reason that I like his writing and his point of view is he's got a really pragmatic lens on how this stuff works for actual humans and in the long term. So even though he is a super lean, muscular guy. He, he definitely looks the part. He also understands how to factor in someone's lifestyle and workload and family responsibilities and rhythms and put it all into context. I let him know that I thought that was pretty swell. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I, um, I do get, I, I get that a lot, you know, but no, I, I, I've heard something similar a few times and, and, and really I just, I developed that by, um, you know, just being like writing in this industry and, and just having to filter all the bullshit and, and just seeing where there's that huge gap between, you know, all the stuff that's out there and then what really matters, you know, and even that, that, that core bit of stuff that really matters, how contextual that is. Like, like I'm, how old am I? 49 years old. And like the stuff that, really legit stuff that mattered to me like 20 years ago. It's just not as important now. And so you have to always kind of, there's so much context that has to get applied before you give advice or before, before advice is even useful. So, um, yeah, I try to put that, convey that in my writing. This is the shit that matters. It's so unsexy. It's so boring to talk about, but it is stuff like, how do you structure your day? Like where are the opportunities that where you can exercise or, plan your meal, you know, plan your meals for the day or for the week. Like where are these moments in your day, in your timeline where you can do that? 
what are your needs in exercise really? Like, like a lot of people, they, you know, everyone wants to work on their strengths or the stuff that they like. Whereas as, as you get older, it's the stuff that you kind of neglect. I find they tend to take you down. So it's just, they're really kind of boring. It's really kind of boring topics, but like if people just got more sleep, got more consistent sleep, you know, then, I mean, we hear that all day and it's been, I, you know, I rolled my eyes even saying it because it's just, Oh God, more talk about sleep. But really if people got consistent, doesn't have to be eight hours. They got like even seven good consistent hours. Then they'd have more energy they have fewer cravings. They make better food choices. They'd feel less kind of scattered. So I know I try to start with, you know, these really kind of stuff that you can't really make money off of. Like that's the stuff that really matters. You know, the man has a point. What are the things that people say to do where there is no clear way to profit, whether it's sleeping longer and more deeply, eating more vegetables, maintaining healthy relationships, whatever it is, if there is no quick and easy profit to be made in terms of turning it into a product or a service, and the people you pay attention to are still extolling its virtues, that's a major signal. Of course, at this point in history, I probably also have to say that attention itself is a commodity. So if those signals are not pointing directly back at them, that's worth noting too. You know, you look on Instagram and maybe it's just the, the horrible networks that I'm in and all it is is people like demonstrating exercises and look how jacked I am and you know, look at what I can do. And, um, and none of that is the answer. Like none of that, like, I mean, I guess it's entertaining to look at and whatever you think, but it's just none of that will help people. Um, and so like the stuff that really matters is so, yeah, it's like you can't put a price on it. You can't make money off of it, you know, unless you pay somebody to tell you it. Um, and it's all, you know, it's how you plan your day, you know, how, well, you know, what, you know, how can you be, how can you maximize consistency and sustainability, you know, stuff like that, you know, as opposed to, oh, here's a, latest greatest move for the posterior delts or this what you know all the other stuff whenever i meet someone like brian who is more thoughtful about this stuff who works within the industry but has that level of self-awareness i want to know what drives them you know like my parents would ask me like what do you what do you is this what you want to do and i'm like yeah like this is what this is my way to teach i think i think some of the most fulfilling jobs we can have is just is teaching it might not be in a school it might be, you know, what I'm doing, you know, just helping people feed their bodies, you know, take care of their bodies better. So and that's where I get the fulfillment out of it. I feel largely the way that Brian does. And I think, you know, what I enjoy and find particularly meaningful is not just, well, here's the science of it or here are the straight facts, but here's how we use this knowledge and apply it to your situation. And that human piece is the tricky part. You probably get this too. Um, when you when you see parenting advice from people <laughs> who don't have children, you know, and it's and I admit I've been a little bit guilty of it. Before I had a kid, I, I would give out a little bit of time management advice, very little, because I already kind of knew in the back of my mind, you know, I'm kind of talking about something I'm not immersed in yet. And you know, since now that I've had my my kid and I'm neck deep in it, I'm very glad that I was so cautious that way because you just don't know until those bullets are flying. And, um, and I found it really, really hard. Like, even though I was kind of mentally preparing myself, okay, I got this weird career that takes a lot of my time and a lot of my focus. 
you know, I'm already in my forties and I'm having my first kid, you know, and I was always kind of like, I knew this is going to be tough. I, you know, I got no help from family and anything like that. Um, and of course it was tough, but, it, and I, you know, but it did teach me a lot and, uh, just, you know, failing, failing things and, and having to re, you know, put it all back together. It does, you know, it does teach some lessons, but, um, it's, it, when I, at least now I do feel better when I, I get a lot of new dads kind of contacting me saying like, what do I do here? And I get a lot of, um, guys contacting me saying, okay, I'm having my kid in three months or four months or whatever. This is the workout plan I think will work. <laughs> it's always, this is the plan I think will do for that first year. And I was like, dude, I mean, yeah, man, you can run with it, but it's, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to change it. It's just kids, kids are the ultimate you know, wild card, like your best laid plans, man, they get shot to hell. So just be willing to be flexible. And, you know, when, and then I try to help them make it flexible in advance. I was thinking about the dozens of conversations I've had with men with ADHD over the last few months, trying to pull things apart and look for patterns. And that's the thing that, that folks like me with, with ADHD tend to do really well is find patterns and things. And one of those is, a need for meaning, a need for a significance. And that's another common theme. We struggle to do stuff that we don't feel real significance in, even um, if maybe the monetary rewards are there. If there's not a deeper why behind it, it can be a struggle. So I asked Brian if that was at the heart of all of this. And, you know, and by all of this, I mean his vocational direction. What's an example? You know, there's lately there's more and more people like self-diagnosing themselves with things, and uh, you know, you kind of in the like even with my ADHD in the back of my mind, I'm like, I mean, this is you know, 50 years ago they'd just tell me to shut up and you know, just focus, focus. Now there's a little bit more. Now there's a label for it, but um, it's uh, you know, getting getting the official diagnosis, uh, you know, in my 40s was was kind of interesting. I it was I was originally getting screened for depression, and uh, and my my physician was like, you know, you should, you know, I see. She's like, I see this a lot. You might have ADHD, and it turns out that's, you know, I was, you know, I scored I scored high in that in that one, and um, and my wife has it too, and of course I see it now, um, I see it now in my son, and of course I'm, he has a therapist who's you know helping him get ready for school, and, uh, and she's like, well, she's like, you know, slow with your self diagnosis there, but she, she says it is pretty common, and he's got all the signs and. Um, it's a challenge. I do have to, like I said, I have some bad weeks. Like anytime I get knocked out of my own rhythm, like this week has been terrible with all the stuff with my kid and running around and, uh, just doing, just doing lots of extra errands and I can't get into my personal kind of schedule. Um, as, as such, I'm really distracted. So I'm, I'm always like half started projects. I got client programs that I've started and I'll start another one. So I have to always kind of stop myself and finish one task, move on to the next, all that really stuff that I have to focus on. It's boring. It's not that interesting. It's super important. Not just routine in terms of day-to-day tasks and doing one thing at a time, but, you know, if you heard last week's episode where I was traveling, there was that. But I noticed it took me about a week and a half to get real traction back into my old routine and start to feel really good again. I really noticed the impact of being off routine 
I asked Brian if he felt the same way. Well, part of my life, I'm still fucked from the from the last trip I took when I went back home. That was over a month ago. Um, I still have, of course, I can't just go. I can't just go home and see my family and hang out. I got to bring a little like bag of so bag of work to do, you know, like which I don't even look at. Um, but now that's kind of hanging over my head. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to like work on this work that I had put aside. Well, I do work that's actually pressing right now. Just all these little, like these little things that I allow myself to get into, like lists upon lists upon lists of shit to do that. Um, if I could just get back to my, in a better routine, I'm doing, okay, three things a day, you know, and, and I try to look at my business as like, I got my client work, I got some writing work. Um, you know, my standard stuff that like answering email, like admin stuff like that. If I try to do, you know, a couple hours of each every day, I'm good. But as soon as I'm out of rhythm, I'm doing, you know, stuff that doesn't, stuff that's not pressing. I'm on the, I'm surfing, I'm racking up, I'm ordering, you know, and I'm ordering stuff that I don't need. I'm just, you know, it's just a lack of discipline more than anything. Um, but that, this, I lose my discipline when I lose my rhythm. Brian and I have one particular thing in common, and that is we both got our official ADHD diagnosis at the age of 45. I was curious about what led to that for him and how it felt. My wife suggested, oh, you know, you should, you should get checked out for depression. And because uh, I've always been kind of um, not like, I, I just get into a bit of a funk. Um, but I, like most people do. And, I, and then at the same time in my, in, I'd be like, well, you know, this is just, I'd tell myself that, well, I'm just in a funk because of the, you know, I got to get myself out of it. I just got to be more productive. And, and, and a little, certainly a little bit of that is true. Like when, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, it shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I spoke to my physician and, um, and, and she's like, you know, I really, she knew, she knew me pretty good. And, and she's like, you know, I, you seem, you seem a lot like an ADHD type. And I'm like, you know, she, she was a little bit more professional the way she put it. But so I went through that screening. And the one thing that I got prescribed uh, by Vance, keep in mind, I'm a stimulant, like I'm a freaking reformed meathead. So I've got my stimulant background. So it takes, so I don't know, maybe I, I, <laughs> I've got to cook some receptors. So if you're not a middle-aged meathead, let me break this down for you. All through the 90s and into the early noughts, the ACE or ECA stack, so that's ephedrine, aspirin, and caffeine, were used as a pre-workout. Did it get people jittery? Yeah. Did it increase their likelihood of heart attack? Also, yeah. Maybe not the healthiest thing, but it was definitely, you know, just part of the zeitgeist for a while. More modern pre-workout stimulants are generally safer versions of this. You can also just drink coffee, y'all. Coffee is, or caffeine, is one of the most researched ergogenic aids and, you know, all things in moderation. Maybe don't crank on the stimulants for a host of health, and that's physical and mental health related reasons. But I should also point out that... (laughs) you know, we can only speculate on how Brian's receptors are doing, but it's very likely that it just didn't uh, have traction for him. Vyvanse is a popular ADHD medication. It's the first one that I was given or prescribed. And best practice is typically to start with a low dose and gently ratchet it up. And personally, I found the same thing. I don't have a history with stimulants and we still cranked it up to a really high level 
where I was personally saying, um, it maybe helps a little, I think, which was for me not a great rationale to be checking my blood pressure on the daily because in the world's least shocking news, taking massive quantities of stimulants may over time ratchet up your blood pressure. You know, there are trade-offs for everything and good Lord, this is not medical advice. Consult an expert practitioner, do your due diligence. I'm just speaking from personal experience, but you know, long-term health for me is unsurprisingly a huge priority. So you have to find a balance. I think for me, the just the um, getting, like along with um, getting medication, I, I also have therapy. I was doing it every other week for this in particular. And, and again, I think the utility of that was just being able to talk about it. Um, just kind of, this, I don't know, it made, made me feel like less of a fuck up, I guess, to be put it mildly. Um, but at the same time, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that it's not like, I'm going to fix this life. I'm going to fix my fucking head. You know, it's not like I'm thinking that. I think I'm always going to be this kind of person. Um, but at least now I know, okay, I'm prone to doing these things. And uh, I got to kind of watch out for the triggers, you know, which is, which is having, you know, just waking, just feeling manic in a manic state. Like if I wake up late or, and I have a ton of stuff to do and I'm behind and my phone's blown up and I, clients are mad about something, whatever, you know, but I get into that kind of frenzied state. I'm just so ineffective as a dad, as a coach, as anything. So I try to like minimize those things are happening so I can kind of maximize my potential. Big relate, massive relate. And again, I can't speak for every human being with ADHD, but definitely a, a trend I've seen, you know, as discussed is this drive toward meaning. And also we don't want to feel like we are leaving it on the table. Probably it's in part because, you know, you spend the early years of your life, uh, certainly in school being told, how you're fucking things up, how you're not fitting into the system, uh, how you're not applying yourself. That's one that comes up a lot. And, you know, I can tell you this is a community where effort and work ethic are not the issues. Um, being able to focus, being able to relax enough to really dig into something, finding enough meaning and interest in all that stuff. That's the hard part to regulate, by the way, in ADHD. It is not attention. It is not effort. It is choosing that is the hard part. We don't really choose. So we, we ha have trouble regulating interest. We have to really care about it. And that can lead to some hurdles. But if you're able to sort of organize your life around this, more and more you're able to find that the work you're doing has an incredible import and sort of drives you there. So everything around that becomes magnified when it pulls you out of that that can be anxiety, that can be fatigue, that can be stress or distraction. How we manage these things is huge. Like for me, if I get too, just too harried, I'm just so, I'm just so inept at, at, at everything. You know, I can just, it's like I'm doing everything half-assed and just doing a, a really basic kind of topical job on everything. And, you know, so for me, it's just getting, you know, keeping my, slowing down my mind and just, you know, keeping a reasonable pace. Like I used to set just like ridiculous goals for each day, the amount of shit that I expected to get done. Um, and then like, oh, well, I only, I only did a third of it. Well, the other two thirds, I'll carry it over to the next day, which already had a ridiculous amount of shit I had planned to do. 
All right, let's take a brief pause here so I can tell you about an exciting new program. It's called How to Feel Like Shit. Here's how we do it. We start by crafting a to-do list that would make Hercules blush. The trick is to stack each moment of the day so densely that any minor delay will throw it all out of kilter. If you sneeze more than twice in a row, it should cause you unbelievable stress. Any other delay from an unexpected conversation to a printer not working should feel like a mouthful of broken glass. Ideal, you'll feel so overwhelmed that you just kind of shut down midday. But don't worry, you'll make it up by staying late and getting very little done because you're out of energy and focus and are just beating yourself up at this point. And here comes the exciting part. Everything you didn't complete will get carried over to tomorrow's impossible to-do list. To sign up, take all of your available cash or credit cards and incinerate them. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Have you done this? I know I have. I spent years working like this. And so I don't actually have a course. But if you'd like to learn how to move away from to-do lists and into a more organic and human approach to managing all the myriad things you want to do, go to dadstrength.com slash feedback, drop me a note, leave me a voice message, make sure to include your contact information. I will get back at you with some simple advice on how to move away from traditional to-do lists and into approach that feels more human, more liberating, and ultimately works with these cycles of energy and focus and creativity that you have. All right, enough of a departure. Let's get back to Brian Cron. And actually being a dad too, like that, now that you you know, five is a fun age. And, you know, I want to, on the weekends, when the weather's good, I want to be out with my kid. And if I got 10 training programs to write and it's a beautiful day and I got to sit in my office and do them, I'm going to get, well, I'm going to be kind of cranky doing it. And that's not right because that's something I really enjoy doing. It's like the part of my job I probably like the most is writing training programs. And if now I'm, now I'm associating that with being pissed off and being cooped up in the house while my, you know, kid is staring at an iPad, which is, <laughs> which I try not to let them do uh, on a beautiful day, that kind of thing. So um, if I, I'm a little easier on myself in terms of expectations, I can get, typically I can get more done and have you know more productive downtime. I think that in a lot of ways, downtime is really the hard part. It's not working. It's not a lack of motivation, right? Or desire to get this done. It's the ability to shut it down and actually have meaningful regenerative time. How do we get there? Everybody thinks about this a little bit differently. You know those people who like jump from one self-help book to the next and they're like they're always and they you know and really if they just fucking stuck with the first one they bought and just did it. Yeah, I get it. I fucking get it. Yeah. I kind of look at my life and I'm like, all right, I got my work life and where else am I? I'm the husband and a dad and a friend and uh you know, and I try to have like just personal goals to hopefully achieve before I die. And, uh, you know, but then when I, if I set these things up, okay, this is, these are the categories that are important to me, and, you know, you know, and oh, and like my own health and fitness, stuff like that. There's probably five or six major categories and always the work one encroaches on all the other ones. Um, you know, but at the same time, I just, you know, so then I look at that on paper. I'm like, okay, look at this dude. You know, or look at this dude as in me. Like, he's got his family's important to him. His training's important to him. His business is important to him. 
he wants to like have a be a good person or whatever that may be like his personal development that's, that's five i think i have five or six yeah uh, well then my then then i have uh, my friends and fun you know because I, I tend to forget about that so i try to be like okay how do i keep all these things in balance especially because the work thing keeps encroaching on everything and it's impossible and i and i kind of get down on myself and sometimes i'm like well what the fuck i mean who who the fuck actually part of my language is but who who would be perfectly in balance and who would be you're gonna have it's life you're gonna have periods of your life where at least i think you have periods where, you, where you're going to be very work focused and you have periods where you're hopefully very family focused and and you know maybe i you know ideally you never let the family part you know get too far down on your priority list you know but maybe your friends and having fun that takes a dip for a while like i don't know i think life has seasons sometimes i imagine work and family life as separate vehicles and they're both traveling down a road they've got different routes different journeys so the idea that you're going to be jean-claude van damme with one leg on one vehicle one leg on the other doing the full splits and having everything work together in perfect synchrony is maybe a big ask sometimes i, get, I become very intently aware of how reactive i am and uh, I see it like in the arguments I'll have with my wife and stuff. It's, it's always like, like reacting to little things and I overreact. And uh, it's always it's reacting to inconveniences, really. Like, oh, I, what do you mean I have to pick them up? Oh, okay. Oh, and then I have to reschedule this client and reschedule this. And oh, now I'm pissed off. You know, it, anybody I blow up on, it's invariably due to that. Because I already feel I've, I've scheduled the hell out of myself. And then something invariably happens. And, you know, and when you got kids, shit happens. And you're behind and you're rescheduling. And to me, then I get that that grind in my head. And I'm like, okay, I got to get a little manic up. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that like, that's, I'm really trying to, you know, to be able to stop that. Yeah, obviously, I can't stop things from happening. But I am, as they say, I can control how I react. And, you know, easier said than done. But I'm, at least I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be mindful of that situation. Like, okay, why am I? Why am I letting this piss me up, piss me off so much? And what's, you know, do I really need to do all these things right, you know, today? What's what's the big deal if I don't do this? And, you know, easier said, but. I think what Brian is really talking about is interrogating the difference between what feels really important and urgent and what actually is. And I can definitely say as a parent, the more I've been able to step back and look at the difference and assess that, the more often I've been able to say, all right, you know, we can let this one go. Why am I doing this anyway? <laughs> you know, the financial piece is often so we can relax and be with our families. So the idea that we get pulled out of that very same experience by trying to attend to work, you know, is relatable and understandable. And I really don't think there's some kind of magic lever you can pull where it's boom. Congratulations, you are now an enlightened parent. But I think just if we develop the habit of looking at these situations and asking that question, the small changes that we make will add up in important ways. Actually, let me share a little recipe, a little habit recipe with you. And this is from Tiny Habits. I spoke with Andrea Spiros in a recent episode. Here's how we do it. After I noticed that, I am feeling anxious or agitated 
you know, insert your emotion of choice. After I notice that I'm feeling X when I'm with my family because of work that I need to do, I will ask myself, is this truly urgent? And then in tiny habit style, you celebrate having taken this action. Now this can be something more effusive, like pumping your fist or saying, yeah. But honestly, I think a lot of this stuff is just cutting to the core of what is important to you. So if you are taking a step toward living your values, just acknowledging that, recognizing it is a form of celebration too. And while we're on the subject of what is truly important to you, you know, my experience of exercise and fitness has largely been driven by my own mental well-being. I just feel better. I just think better when I am moving regularly. If I have been a cranky bastard, almost invariably, if I look at the past two or three days, I will find that my activity or exercise levels have dropped significantly. And when I suddenly notice that I'm in a good mood again, guess what? There we are. So I asked Brian if exercise for him had been an essential part of his mental health care. You know, anybody who works in fitness, especially anyone who's, who's crazy enough to do it for a career, like, like anybody who gets into it as a job, they're probably, they probably have some, no, let me back up even further. Anybody who just gets into working out, uh, they get, you know, they probably have some insecurity. Most of us do. Yeah, anyone who does fitness as a career, okay, you got, you got some, you got, you got, you don't have issues, you got subscriptions. Um, but then, you know, someone who does it like me is like a freaking their reason for living, basically. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, I do it, I think, just to keep, to stay sane. And it's just, um, it's a running joke with my wife. I'm like, if I don't work out, like if I go more than a day without working out, I'm like, I, I say it in jest, but I'm sort of serious. Like, I'm going to kill somebody. I go work out because it's just, it's become my way of, of sorting my head and just making myself feel better. And, um, and like anything though, it's, you know, taking it to the extreme. And I've never been an extreme exerciser. Well, actually, no, not too bad. Never. I've never like, Oh, I got to train my demons away. Like, but it, it's always, it's been a artificially large part of my life just because it, it's a way for me to make myself feel good. Um, and I recognize that. But to be perfectly honest, I made a connection not too long ago. Um, I was just like, what? Like, how's that? I always feel good in like June. And at the same time, I'm like, not? I've been in Canada, man. Like June's a beautiful month. The rest of the year is kind of garbage. And, <laughs> and it's also my birthday month. Like, of course I feel good in June. Um, but then I, then I thought about it more and I'm like, no, it's not a June thing. It's, it's just always these summer months. I really feel good. And, uh, because I realize I've, I've, as soon as it warms up a bit, I get out in the morning and I do some cardio and I do that. Like, and for me, you know, that's, that is, if I put that, when that's in my life, it's just, it's man, what, what a difference that makes just not only on my productivity, um, but just on my mood. And, and now I, of course it's, you know, a skeptic can say, well, look, it's, it's springtime. Everyone feels great in springtime. And there's all these confounding factors. But I, I just firmly believe, like, for me, uh, a walk in the morning is just it, what that does to, my, to just my brain and how I look at my day. It's just huge. And I'm at the point now that 
I would probably give up weights before I would give up that. So then I, that's the first time I've said that aloud, but I'd be, you know, yeah, I've, uh, well, of course I'm lying. I can, I, I'd sneak in weights somewhere. But yeah, <laughs> I carry some fucking dumbbells with me on my walk, but I, you know, it's that to me, like, and now my obviously I've resolved. I can try to do it all year as opposed to these, oh, I'm only going to walk when it's nice out. So, you know, six months of the year, I, I'm sedentary. What I want to call out here is how Brian is listening to signals from his body, paying attention to his mood, his energy levels. And so while taking a walk during the daytime certainly has a logic behind it, if we look at the research on, say, circadian rhythms or vitamin D, but that doesn't always mean that there is an obvious benefit. Often this stuff is like a single turn of the screw. It makes things maybe a little better, but there's another edge on that sword. And that is that there's plenty of stuff that research hasn't tackled yet, but still has value. So listening to those signals from your body and taking notes about how you feel and what your energy levels are, all of that. Um, and I would recommend keeping tabs on what's been happening over the past 48 hours to two weeks. All of that is great information. So it's this kind of combination of intuition and experimentation. All of that will inform your decision making. And the nice thing about this is that it frees you to run a lot of experiments. You take the basics of exercise, sleep, nutrition, relationships, all that stuff, and you try doing just a little bit more. You put it on, you walk around the room, see if it cuts a pleasing silhouette, if you know what I mean. And then if you get disproportionate value from something, you put it in the mix. If you're wondering where to start, intuition is a skill to hone. But in the meantime, you can always look for conspicuous absences. If you are not exercising right now, for example, don't assume that you need to wait until you can do intense 90-minute workouts. 10 minutes a day of moderate activity might bring you 50% of the value of longer workouts. So it's not everything, but it is an incredible ROI on the time you put in. For me, it was like when I was doing it before, it was to lose weight you know, my the whole bodybuilding thing. So I'm doing this cardio to lose weight in the morning. And everyone's always, oh, I'm, everyone's complaining how, oh, I'm doing this morning cardio and I'm hungry. I'm this and I'm that. And I'm like, well, I feel fucking great. Like, what, like, like, why is that? Well, it can't be because I'm not, you know, I'm in a calorie deficit. I'm hungry. I'm deprived. I'm all these things that should make me feel bad. But just the, the, the restorative feeling of that morning walk, just, it just supersedes it. So yeah. Now I do it regardless. I don't, well, I don't really diet anymore anyway, but now I just, it just, to me, it's, it's, it's the number one thing that I can do. Um, more, more so even than a good night's sleep is do that. This is sacrilege, right? That activity would take precedence over sleep. And I'm not necessarily recommending this, but just again, taking that experimental view on things and saying, Hey, this shouldn't necessarily work, but I'm noticing that I feel great. Okay, there's some real value in there. And these perceptions, again, are almost like a skill to be honed. Okay, here's my intuition. Here's what I feel. And here's what I'm noticing when I get a little more analytical or use my, my thinky brain to put this all together. I was curious, based on Brian's bodybuilding background, how his sense of awareness, his acuity there, informs his decision making. Yeah, and that's one thing where the man, the benefits of you know fitness and 
dare I say, bodybuilding, you know, you just kind of get, you know, you just really get hyper, you know, hyper, hyper focused on yourself, which is obviously has a lot of baggage with it. But you sure notice when you do something and it makes you feel good. And, you know, you sure, you sure notice it. And then it's just drilling down into, okay, how can I make this a beneficial part of my life? But, you know, just like how, you know, if you're so into what you eat and you start to notice, okay, man, like these foods make me feel great. And just, I don't know why there's nothing in the literature or anything that just make you feel good, but you run with it anyway, because you know, your body, um, there's a real, there's, that's been actually really helpful. Let's talk about self-care. You know, the, the word self-care, you know, the word self-care, that, that, I think that has a lot of just unnecessary baggage or bullshit attached to it. Um, like, but, but I think everyone needs a self-care routine and it doesn't have to be any of this bullshit that you read online. Like, Oh, I get up and I, and now I'm reading about people <laughs> sun tanning their assholes. I'm like, where, where are they coming up with this stuff? <laughs> you know, you're, you know, if I if I walked by and saw that, I, I don't know what I'd do. Dep- I, I guess it depends how how I feel that day. I don't know, but anyway, you don't you you need a self care routine, and to me, it's like it has to be just very individual. And the, the things that have made life much better for me is getting to bed early, and seven days a week if possible. And of course, if I'm blessed to have a social outing, I take advantage of it, but those don't happen very often. Um, like getting to bed early, getting up early, and within 30 minutes of getting up, I'm outside. I'm going on this walk, and admittedly, I often do have my headphones in, and I'm listening to I don't listen to music, I listen to podcasts or stuff. But every time I just go in nature and just let my mind dictate, I feel better. Like think about my day, what I want to accomplish, just think about whatever the fuck I want, you know. But just that 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 hour in the morning, and because I walk for about 45 minutes, come back, whatever. Like that, that time is, is made the biggest difference in my life. And from there, it's just setting really one or two goals for the day, like business goals say, and just always keeping, rather than making the mistake that I did of having, okay, I got this priority in my life. I got these five priorities and I got to make sure everything's in check. Just kind of have it like off in the corner. Like there's, I got things I want to do with my family, things I want to do. You know, go home and see my parents. Or I got this other goal, this other goal. Just kind of keep them in the corner of my eye, but not make it like, okay, I got to do this fucking thing today and this, you know, this, this, and this, because it never happens. You know, you're just setting yourself up to fail. But at the same time, it's it's being aware of it, but not being like hyper hyper scheduled. It is a balance. It is process. It is in process uh, for all of us. So I really appreciate Brian sharing how he's working through this stuff. And you can hear how he continually thinks about health from a global perspective. So I wanted to know a little bit about the folks that he works with. I have some people that have really high-end kind of fitness goals, but the average, probably 80% of my clientele is just people want to lose fat, build muscle, look better, and um, and just not be put into a box like I, I always my whole thing is i build things around the person so I'm like okay like, i'd like literally say to them, okay tell me about your life like what's your commute like you know how much, how, how much time can you spend exercising and then i get to work from there he might be a meathead 
he might be cranky as all get out, but I'll tell you something else. Some of the best minds in the fitness industry have hired Brian to coach them because he takes the entire situation, the, the global landscape of health into account when he's working with people. Plus he's fun. You can learn more by going to briancron.com. That's Brian with a Y, K-R-A-H-N. I'll put a link in the show notes. And there we have it. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Special thanks to my guest, Brian Cron. Next week, we're going to get into athletic performance and warm-ups for old guys like us. Well, like me anyway. Always appreciate your time. We'll see you soon. The Dad Strength Podcast is an Unlearning Network production. Title music by Daniel Ross. Additional music by Mike Ford. <laughs>